0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul shine? I can feel it yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you No, trust and let go
0: All Things in the Name of Love, Episode 6, Navigating the Life of an Empath with Michelle Anita Wurda. This is probably something a lot of you will probably get when we're done with the conversation. And so I just want to give a brief introduction to Michelle. I've known Michelle since 2011. She's an amazing human being, or rather an amazing soul having a human experience, She has worked as an intuitive life and transformational coach and entrepreneur since 2006. She's worked with hundreds of private clients doing soul translation for life and business alignment and specializes in empowering empathetic creatives like herself. Having decades in personal growth and a background in psychology, energy work, and teaching, Michelle offers in-depth yet deeply practical support through mindset mentoring, meditation, and programs on empathy, HSPs, highly sensitive persons, and for sensitive creative entrepreneurs, she playfully dubs entrepreneurs. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Yay. I am so grateful to be here. Thank you so much,
0: Erica. You're so very welcome, love. <laughs> We're going to <So> have fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of course, we are, because it's us. <laughs> So I'm going to start out with a very basic question for you. Yeah. When did you first realize you were an empath?
1: Well, uh <laughs> when I actually first realized was probably uh truly was around when I was 3 years old, but I didn't know it at the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the reason why I say that is because I I've had a couple near death experiences in my life and um the first one happened when I was three. Wow. And um, I had, it was a surgery and I had the whole disembodied experience and, uh, you know, was able to connect with my mom who was watching the surgery. And it it was a a very beautiful near-death experience. Um, But the reason why I was starting to check out was because I had started to take on a lot of the pain um, uh, in the family. I was surrounded with you know, as many of us can have growing up, um, I had a lot of dysfunction around me around addiction and we moved a lot and it was just a, you know, it was a stressful family in many ways, a beautiful family in, uh, in many other ways. But, uh, so I had this near death experience and, um, I had tuned into my mother as she was watching the surgery and, um, started to I was I was in the situation because I was highly sensitive and taking on other people's energies. Mm-hmm. And then through this this near-death experience, I was also having what I call the non-corporal or not or the disembodied uh, empathy mm-hmm. for my mom who was having an extreme anxiety attack because she thought I was going to die, which interestingly enough was happening at the same time Um, that I was having my out of body near death experience. And I was tending to her as a little three Mm -hmm. year old spirit, I was tending to her uh, anxiety, because I could, you know, was feeling it and sensing it. So when I say three years old, you know, that was my first real memory, um, which was a pretty intense one. But I I didn't remember that until, of course, you know, my as a teenager and and far much mm-hmm. later. So uh, I can say that that's probably the first time now that I'm re- now that I have that memory. Um, I can say that's probably the first time I'm very aware of how empathic yeah. <laughs> how
0: empathic wow. I was and am. So yeah. So how did yeah. you navigate your early childhood in this? uh, tumultuous environment? Hmm.
1: Well, being
0: the natural
1: caregiver, uh, that I am, which most, you know, highly empathic people are, um, and being highly sensitive. So there is a little bit of a difference between the two, but, I, I basically took care of everybody on an energetic level an emotional level. Mm-hmm. And, um, even on some ways if you know, a physical level, like, um, you know, through affection, through cooking <laughs> food, when people were, um, otherwise, uh, uh incapacitated, shall we put it that okay. way? Um, <laughs> so I really, I stepped a lot into the caregiving role, um, which is very, very natural, mm-hmm. um, for a lot of empathic and highly sensitive people, but it also uh, can end up uh, being quite a um, unfortunate expectation that that's all you can do. Uh, We can get lost in that caregiving role. And I certainly did uh, in many ways. So it's it's like that thing of one of your greatest strengths can become something uh, like your Achilles heel. Mm -hmm. You know the thing that you have to learn not to do so much, and to do it in a healthier way. So it's um, so it was a it was a really perfect family <laughs> for me to uh, become uh, more and more of who I already was born to be. <laughs> mm. So yeah. So
0: uh, you mentioned how to navigate, which I'm sure you didn't do when you were little, but how to get the boundaries set in and understand that you need to care for yourself. What was that process?
1: Um, well, that's, that didn't come till much later in life. And, you know, of course, in all honesty, it's an ongoing learning process, (laughs) um, And and gratefully so, you know, it's also a big part of my of my spiritual path, and also the reason um, I do the work that I do is because uh, when we are empowering our true self, and also learning how to be connected, um, yet also our own, you know, our own person, not getting lost in the worlds and lives and realities of other people, having boundaries is is. The is an ultimate healthy self care practice. It's a self respect practice. And a lot of people, you know, uh, what I find and what I did for a long time is I resisted having boundaries because I thought it meant I was a bad person. If I, you know, wanted to be a little less connected, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I thought that I was abandoning the other person, um, which for empaths can be a very challenging. Um, idea Mm -hmm. because of our connection with others. We don't, one of our kind of nemesis uh, emotionally is abandonment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But we can also, many of us can end up abandoning ourselves because of not having boundaries. Um, So, and that was my experience for sure. Um, You know, years of anxiety, um, being in relationships where my needs weren't getting met um, saying yes to so many things that I really had no desire to do. I mean, it sounds like it's kind of like the classic, you know, uh, uh, the welcoming mat, Mm -hmm. you know, being a doormat for everybody. I wouldn't say I was so much a doormat because I have a really strong, uh, kind of rebel side. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, so I don't want to like paint this really, um, helpless picture, but my internal uh, world very much so was one where I had high expectations to, to take care of everybody else, to not disappoint other people, Mm -hmm. to not abandon other people, to not, uh, ever do anything that would make somebody else feel unaccepted, unloved, or, uh, you know, uh, judged in any way. Um, because I was often as an empath growing up, I, I, was judged a lot for being so sensitive um so boundaries learning how to take care of myself and uh be honoring of my own energy my own emotional needs basically letting my energy flow and uh in healthy ways Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, but also at the same time You know, not making excuses for other people's behavior, not making excuses even for my own behavior sometimes. All of these things have been my own, um, deepening and, and, and empowering, um, learning how to empower myself for being a highly sensitive, empathic, creative, intuitive person in a world where, you know, and I know that you can relate to this, Erica, because, you know, you've been on your own spiritual and personal growth journey and seeing how, you know, a lot of the world really wants us to be in control, competent in our heads um, and not so sensitive. Mm-hmm. So um it's, you know, you when we learn to really love ourselves as being the empaths and sensitives that we are, that's like a really empowering boundary, uh, because then we don't buy into the stuff that the rest of the world says you have to be in order to be acceptable. Then we just get to be ourselves. Yeah. So it's a really that's a really good one.
0: That is a beautiful thing. Because I know for me, one of the things that I've had on my path is becoming aware of the stories that I've picked up from my family and from previous lives. Like all these limiting beliefs about myself that I know aren't true. Yeah. And pretty much every day is something new because the spiritual path isn't like, Hey, I got here. <laughs> Whew, mm-hmm. I am done. No, it's like, Oh, I found another. I, I feel like I'm one of those Russian dolls. Yeah. 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 Totally. And um, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, it's, you, it's like 10 or 12 or even 20 dolls stacked on top of each other as a complete doll. And you take, want the top one apart and then the next one's in and then you keep going down to the bottom and that's kind of the unraveling of the social expectations versus who you really are and you know that's Mm -hmm. I
1: that was funny memory when you were saying that erica i'd love to share
0: (laughs) yeah
1: sure (laughs) because my my dad used to be he used to do work with Russia, the Soviet Union or whatever it was called back then. And I had Mm -hmm. a lot of those dolls. And I I just had this flashback memory when you were saying that, which I love, which was, I would, you know, do you remember the tiny, tiny little doll, the the inside, inside Mm -hmm. doll? Oh, yeah. It was like half an inch tall. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I remember. And And I remember being so annoyed by it being so little. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, like, wait a second. You do all this uncovering, you take all this apart, and then you go on the inside, and it's like a little pipsqueak thing. Like, couldn't it be the other way? Like, the one on the inside is like the gem, kind of like the diamond
0: inside. No, but, but, but I'm going to flip it on you and say that 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 small little thing is your core, <laughs> and it's the light that you really are. And through that massive, thick, beautiful core. <laughs> That's where you emanate yeah, from. Yeah,
1: maybe it, it it can be seen that way too, for sure. <laughs> yeah,
0: but a five-year-old doesn't you know, see that.
1: Five-year-olds, what the hell? I was like, what? I do all of this and then I've got this tiny little doll? Like, come on. <laughs> no, <you're> so lame. <laughs> so it was really cute too. I remember feeling it It was a very precious little thing because it was the little, little mm. one on the inside. So you know, maybe that mm. is kind of more of an analogy of when we – we get to that precious, you know, true self on the inside. <laughs> I just like mm-hmm. to think of the true
0: self as being pretty infinite. So, well, it is. It is, but within that construct of a framework of understanding the digging process. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: Well, it's also like, you know, the you know the onion metaphor, of course, you know, mm-hmm. layers of the onion. And it's usually the inside of the onion that's the sweetest, isn't it? <laughs> mhm. That's like the yummy part. Like I'm looking on my counter right now. I've got some celery that I'm going to make some celery juice with. And Mm. I always love to take the outside parts and then eat the inside because it's usually the sweetest. Yep. Yeah.
0: I have a couple of stalks in the fridge that I keep forgetting about. so. (laughs) (laughs) So... When did you settle into your calling? Mm. I was just thinking that you had asked me earlier about the
1: going, uh, when did I know about being an empath? And I think, you know, like uh, I wanted, I'm. thank you for asking that because I did want to revisit that because it is, there are so many different stages of our personal growth and of mm-hmm. knowing ourselves. So, you know, the, the three-year-old consciousness, of that experience is very different than, you know, the 33 year old who started to <laughs> get a little bit more of a clue of like, Oh, so, so I'm naturally this way. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, now my life is starting to make more sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so <clears throat> I would say the, um, There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of moments, but it's things have definitely uh, built on themselves again, kind of like the doll (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. analogy. Things have both built out and also built inwards um, Mm -hmm. with, with the knowing. So I would say um, when I was, younger like and as a teen and in my 20s it was more of the negative side of hearing everybody's you know a lot of people's thoughts feeling their Mm -hmm. energies feeling their emotions not knowing you know what was mine and what was theirs um hence like I had said earlier like you know many years of anxiety because I just was Mm -hmm. picking up on so much uh, unconscious uh, um, energies around that I just you know it was like walking through the world with pinpricks you know feeling like mm-hmm. I I always imagined like I had this fantasy of like could I just become like the Michelin Man you know or like the the charman you know mm-hmm. wrapped in all the toilet paper so you don't f- didn't feel all of the alleys of the world um, mm. but I would say that it was uh, and then I was also in grad, you know, I was in graduate school and I ended up going into clinical psychology. <laughs> that was a, that was, brave. <laughs> <laughs> was brave. brave and a little bit, a little bit stupid too, just because I, and maybe I was a little bit of a glutton for, for experience. I won't say punishment because that's not very nice, but, um, it was definitely in psychology where, I started to realize more and more that my intuitive, uh, empathic self was um, battling a more with my clinical, trained, um, heady psychology, psychological, you know, mm. self. Uh, because I, I don't get that at all. What's that? <laughs> I don't get that at all. (laughs) (laughs) We have so many of us inside us, don't we? Uh, Mm -hmm. But it became glaringly obvious to me then where, you know, I would be working with clients and I would have all of the, you know, this is what a good therapist does. And, you know, this is how, you know, all the skills and training. And then the mm-hmm. other part of me, my emotional bodies and my, you know, my own sense of the person empathically and intuitively was feeling a whole different other world <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that often, of course, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't bring that out because I was a therapist, not an intuitive right. Um, But it did inform, you know, some of the. I had to do a lot of that was like the early days of soul translation, to be, okay. to be honest. Because I had to do a lot of translating between what empathically and intuitively and also what I was seeing energetically into mm-hmm. a more, you know, psychologically well formed uh, response, a uh, therapeutic mm-hmm. response. <laughs> with the client that was a fun translation yeah, it was it was I, I i i think i got pretty good at it but it was exhausting because <laughs> <laughs> talk about you know that whole thing between the head and the heart being mm-hmm. you know one of the longest journeys and then when you have to do it in the therapeutic hour it's like you know i would see you know five six clients in the day and also, let me add that I was specializing with working with narcissists. Oh, <laughs> well done, honey. Yeah, yeah. So let's just say, you know, in full transparency, I would go home and have a really big glass of red wine. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, Only one. <laughs> I know, really. Yeah. The, I, sometimes the red wine was followed with a big shot of vodka. <laughs> oh. but you know i mean we all cope in different ways and and i mean i i never of course had any sort of problem but i was definitely uh, spent many years being highly being uh very affected by the by the choices.
0: yeah because you were trying to numb you were trying to numb yourself out from all of that i was
1: putting myself Mm -hmm. because
0: you didn't have you didn't have the boundaries that you have now.
1: No, I did not have the boundaries. I did not have the awareness. And I was I was doing what was in line with who I am in the sense of being somebody who, um, being an energy reader, being somebody who supports others through their spiritual uh, and psychological and emotional um, growth. Like that's natural mm-hmm. to me. It's natural to empaths. It's natural to a lot of HSPs. Um mm-hmm. but of course, yeah, like you said, I was just, you know, I was going into the I joke and say, you know, because there's the all the stuff about the, the field of consciousness and the quantum field and all that stuff. I but would, I, you know, so I was going into the field with absolutely no um <laughs> no ways to actually be in the ring, you know what I'm saying? Oh. So so but that's you know that's why we learn that's how we learn mm-hmm. um, ideally <laughs> uh sometimes we don't learn but and then we have to go through a lot of those experiences that um teach us
0: by default you know what i'm saying oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know <laughs> so when when did uh or how have you navigated the um I don't want to use this word, but it's coming in. The battle between the heart and the mind.
1: Um then I'm just trying to understand the question.
0: So basically, like so you have this clinical psychology degree.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you're an intuitive. Mm-hmm. When did you surrender? I like that better. Mm-hmm. When did you surrender mm-hmm. the Mind pushing for the heart?
1: Well, I, um, so when I became a life coach and when I went yes. into entrepreneurism, um, I started to, I did that intentionally because I, you know, I left psychology. First of all, I became a mom and then a single mom, so I didn't really want to, um, You know, I I needed to create a life that was going to fit. And I didn't want to be surrounded in, you know, around pathology and
0: psychology. That's understandable. (laughs) So that's understandable. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it was interesting because right before I left, right before I finished doing my um, doctorate, that was actually when a lot of the whole positive psychology movement was coming out and, and gaining speed. Um, that's when like Martin Seligman, who's considered the father of positive psychology, was the president of the um, American Psychological Association. So mm-hmm. yeah, so I I realized uh that it was like, okay, wait a second, I don't <laughs> I don't have to do that. I can mm-hmm. I you know, what I really want to do is, you know, become a life coach and have more freedom to be able to mm-hmm. be more to allow that intuitive side to come in as well as the empathic part of me as well as the creative part of me, as well as, you know, somebody trained to uh, have help have healing conversations and motivational inspirational conversations and have the, you know, the abilities to be able to guide that process. Um, Mm -hmm. So becoming a life coach helped me bring those parts in. And then also I was, I went into, um, you know, I was I was in branding, I was doing some energy work on the side because I've always been dabbling in energy work in a sense of professionally. I also, you know, had studied it and, and everything. But, um, so that really let me bring those two together more. And I would say now at this point, um, with the empath and HSP work that I do and also a big part of soul translation and Sensate Soul, um, I mean, the whole path of soul translation, that really, I'm kind of interrupting myself here, but that was really uh, when I started to uh, go off the scale, shall we say, of empathy, intuition, you know, energy work and it, it, and bringing the the heart and the mind together as as you were um, asking, so um but really, when it comes for me the what's where I find the place for where both of them meet most beautifully is in the body um and in mm. our senses, so we can spin around in our heads about things. And, and we do usually because we're avoiding our bodies and energetic mm-hmm. systems wisdom. Um, mm-hmm. And really in order to listen to my heart, I find I have to listen to my body. you know I have to tune into my my physical body, my energy bodies, my, my energetic heart, you know, my, my gut, all of those things and and that's where I can find my most um, pure, sensate information and connection. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the head just informs the things that I'm feeling. So um, I really have to go to my senses and my sensate body, my energetic body to really get my, um, get my truth or at least ask the right question there versus in my head. Is that totally? I'm sure you
0: get it. I know you get it, my friend <laughs> so so um a follow up question to that is this process is yeah. helped tremendously by meditation um is are there any other things I know for me, being outside a mm-hmm. lot every day really helps me connect. And if the trails weren't so bumpy, I'd go barefoot, <laughs> but my toes don't really like me. yeah. So, but you know, and I, and and you know, I, also- <laughs> I remember that. Day.
1: Do you remember that day when you and I took a walk, and I was like, "Oh, come on, we got to do some earthing. Let's take our shoes off." <laughs> Your feet were like you were so having so, we were having so much fun, but then you also like, oh my god, my my soles and my feet are not ready for this. It's like, yeah, you know, we got to build up those uh
0: <laughs> feet. Yeah, adding. totally do. And I, I think it was a cold day too, and my feet were just like, yeah, this is too cold now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, most of our feet are are pretty uh tender and protected in all of the shoes that they we are. wear and. And the rubber soles, and, and yeah, we have to. But yeah, we have very different feet from our ancestors.
0: <laughs> hmm. I mean, when I was doing work on the Oregon Trail, I read something that you know, shoes back in the 1840s, you didn't have a left and right mm-hmm. shoe. I didn't think that far. Like you, you were lucky to have leather on your feet. That was, you know, that was it. And and one of the one of the guys who. Explored the Barlow Road, walked up Mount Hood with holes in his moccasins mm. in the in November, oh god. and I'm like, I would not, I so would not do that. I would yeah. be freezing my ass off, yeah, and whining and oh my god, this is so cold. So we've gotten pretty, pretty soft. Give me
1: some gold <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: yeah. But you said with meditation, I mean, of course, that meditation is always a great returner to ourselves. But one thing with meditation, what I feel is different, how I view meditation is, um, it's not as much a mind practice. People speak about mindfulness, and I call it sensatefulness, because really, when I'm meditating, or when I teach meditation, or, you know, my opinion on meditation is that it really ideally is best as a practice that brings us back to our body and back to our senses. And that's what puts us back into the moment, you know, not because of thinking or because of being really mindful. It's more about being in our breath and our bodies, letting our nervous system Mm -hmm. settle. You know, it's really a very embodied practice when you're truly, um, Present, And that's where this, you know, sense being a sensate and being, you know, very aware of your senses and using that as a way to become more present so that you can find that place where your head and your heart are actually (laughs) communicating and working together versus being lost in the head. And also the other side of that would be being so... um, uh expecting you know being kind of lost in the heart too and not having mm-hmm. discernment you know there's there's two sides of that of course so um but other practices um cuz i heard you starting to ask that question earlier uh yeah being outside and being in nature and um you know taking those times out to really reconnect you know it just takes a moment to return to ourselves when we have that intention so you can do that anywhere you know under you can do it by a tree and you can do it in the middle of a concrete Mm -hmm. jungle you know wherever you go there you are
0: i i I have found that um i get overstimulated really easily with electronics yeah and so it's been a constant because it's an it's an addiction Mm -hmm. i'm aware of it I've given up many addictions and this is the, this is the newest one of the addiction of the dopamine. Yep. Yeah. And so I'm putting a two hour a day limit on cell phone when I'm not working and online mm-hmm. on, my, on my laptop because anything more than that overstimulates me. And I'm so disconnected from the core of me that I can't mm-hmm. feel it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we are definitely living in the age of distraction, for sure. Mm -hmm. And too much information. And and yeah, you're totally right on with that with, you know, the amount of, um, it's, it's my kind of like little, totally casual theory that more people are becoming uh, HSP, because of the amount of EMF, and because of the Mm -hmm. amount of distraction and electrical um, input. That we have, because um, mm-hmm. it's all frequency, and yeah. you know, we're we're walking around in the world where there are Wi-Fi towers and modems, and you know, people have these incredible computers in their pocket, you know, and we're all being, uh, in some way, in the way that we can't see, but many of us do feel, we're being affected by this total like deluge of um, of electronics. And mm-hmm. of the frequency of electronics. Uh, there's a reason why there are some people who, you know, there's, there's, there's more towns that are beginning to form where there are no <laughs> um, Wi-Fi towers. Wow. You know, there are people who are highly, 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 highly sensitive, mm-hmm. who really, uh, and I know a, a couple of these people who have real difficulties, even, you know, being around a, uh, a modem. You know, I have one of my friends whenever she visits, I have to turn the Wi-Fi off. Wow. You know, we have to go in airplane mode because she can't sleep. You wow. know, she's too uh she she's she's I wouldn't say too affected, but she's highly affected. Mm-hmm. And I say that because of many HSPs and empaths often we hear this the whole you're too this, you're too sensitive, you're too emotional, you're too, you know, uh you're too much. You know, you're too quiet, you're, you know, too, too, uh, too much paying attention to all the little things, Mm -hmm. you know, all of those things that, you know, many of us hear. But um, so I don't like to say that my friend is, you know, uh, too sensitive, because that's certainly not the
0: case. She is in tune with who she is.
1: Exactly, exactly. And she's, you know, highly sensitive and feels those things that, you know, I'm, i am I'm very empathic and very energetically, you know, I sense a lot of things, but I don't have that, but she does. Right. So that's, you know, my theory is that we're getting, we are becoming more sensitive because of the amount of, uh, influence, (laughs) The, the frequency of influence that's all around us. So, and like you said, the dopamine, I mean, yeah, that it's every single time we go on. Um, and I love technology. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I totally dig it. But whenever we go on there and we're trying to, you know, we get to see what people are doing and what who's liking what and how, who's liking our stuff and who's shared our stuff and all that. Yeah, you're, you're like you said, it is it is a dopamine hit, which is like a drug. It's a feel good drug in our brain. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah. I've been switching lately because it's, you know, spring is coming in, in Portland and I'm out there two, three hours a day. So I'm training myself to look for birds that are chirping in trees, mm-hmm. which is really kind of hard because they hide well. Mm-hmm. But then, but that's my dopamine fix. When I actually find, it, I'm like, yes, I found the, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I found you
1: sparrow. <laughs> <laughs> and you're totally, you know, right on with that because that's a funny thing. Um, you know that that a lot of people, when we realize, when we learn that our our brain doesn't know the difference between the real bird chirping and a like a, something on a meditation uh, nature sounds that has mm-hmm. water or rain or birds chirping. You know, it, it, it's it's because of our wonderful technology. You know, we don't have to, even though it is best. I think to go out and actually be in the forest. But for Mm. those people who can't or don't have the time, you know, you like one of my absolute favorite apps is the um, timer insight timer, which is a free meditation uh, app. It's just absolutely amazing. It's a really wonderful philanthropic company. Um, Mm. And they've got, you know, there's thousands of meditations and nature sounds and, biannual beats and different things that people can listen to. And I use them every single day, uh, you know, a couple times a day to just sometimes tune back into myself. And also with spe- speaking with nature sounds, your brain doesn't know the difference. So mm-hmm. whether it's actually in a forest or if you're hearing bird sounds, so it's, mm-hmm. it's right there. All what we need to return to ourselves is just making that, you know, a priority, uh, and taking the time out. And then even with our technology, we've got the, the, we've got a solution right there. You know, we've Mm -hmm. got a way to do it right there. You know?
0: Yeah. It's just, it's a matter of shifting what's important. Yep. And for me, one of the ways I've done it is I just cut off all the, all the big name news sources.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Because that just, triggers me yeah, and I know it. Yeah. So I I mean, not everybody has to do this, but for me, I know that I can go down rabbit holes really quickly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I've had to learn how to channel it. And one of the ways I've done it is through my nutrition and my supplements. And another way is like getting myself outside every day because I know, I know damn well that if I had cable if I watch TV shows, I would watch, I binge, I know this about myself. Mm-hmm. And then I get completely disconnected with who I am. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a process of, of recognizing your Achilles heels mm-hmm. and channeling them. Mm-hmm. Yep. So,
1: and it's, and I love how you said that too, Erica, because that's the thing about boundaries that is so can be so kind of mis- uh Un, misinterpreted mm-hmm. is because often we you know when we think about boundaries like when you like when you first started learning about having healthy boundaries like what did you think that what was your it kind of gut I felt guilt. huh i felt guilt i felt guilt you felt guilt right and a lot of us feel that because we think, well, if we have a boundary, we're being self-indulgent or we're being, you know, uh, we're rejecting something or we're, you know, there's a lot of negatives that is that can be associated mm-hmm. with boundaries. Although, may I say, uh, just to add a little female-male thing here, is that, you know, guy m- men in general are, they're given much more permission to have boundaries than mm-hmm. women are. Sure are. women are naturally much more, you know, have uh, much more, tend, have many more tendencies to be nurturing and, you know, giving, giving care and everything. I mean, in fact, it's, it's interesting. I read this article recently that when women in crisis situations, women will start to um, develop more oxytocin naturally, which is mm-hmm. the bonding neurochemical, which yeah. is the thing that You know when when a woman's in crisis she wants to in these studies they saw you know there's this kind of automatic reaction of wanting to nurture wanting to bound bond and bring people together because Mm we and that's what oxytocin does it's the same thing as when you're breastfeeding that's that's actually how your milk lets down is because your brain kicks off the oxytocin you know and then your breasts fill up and then it's like oh i gotta feed my 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 offspring (laughs) But um, so we have this idea, going back to the boundaries thing, that boundaries are somehow um, that, that, that that they are bad, basically, or that they're somehow negative. And the, the truth is, like, with your self-care, your self-care is a boundary.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not watching those, you know, news shows is your form of self-care and that's having a boundary with yourself mm-hmm. and of what you expose yourself to, you know? So because really where your attention goes, that's where your energy flows, Right. you know? So having discernment and boundaries is not about rejecting the world, you know, and rejecting things, um, and kind of being like a, you know, being a hard ass, mm-hmm you know having a boundary can be as sacred and as simple also as taking care of yourself making your self care as a pri- a priority and that's really important for empaths and hsp's because and a paradigm shift yeah yeah absolutely i find that most you know empaths and hsp's and i know this from my own experience of course you know, most of the most when you say you're really overwhelmed and quote unquote absorbing energy and don't even get me going on that one. Nope. But um, <laughs> I will energy. have a boundary stealing and energy. stop myself from going off on that one because, yeah. you know, it's one of my one of my big um, triggers beef. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, when we have the um, wait, what was I saying? Sorry. Uh, boundaries boundaries um boundaries yeah so so often when empaths and hsps feel completely overwhelmed and highly anxious and like the world is not a you know they can't handle being in the world or or doing you know uh big things like because i also work with empathic entrepreneurs of how to be able to step out and be more in the public and be more um you know, dedicated to a cause that will get you more exposed and out in the world. Um, often it's a, it's a, the reason why the overwhelm is there is because there's a lack of boundaries and self-care. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the reason why the feeling like of not being safe uh, is there because they haven't learned yet how to make their energetic and emotional self-care Um, and the boundaries with themselves and their discernment, they haven't made it a priority yet. And that does take doing the work and it takes the personal, you know, reflection and it takes working through the mindsets of, um, you know, learning who we are as a sensitive and empath and HSP in the world and how to be that in a, in a strong healthy way versus a way that we feel, you know, overwhelmed by the world. So because it can easily
0: happen. Yes. <laughs> yes, it can. <laughs> so can you briefly describe the beautiful gifts you bring to the world in your, in your businesses?
1: Um, yes. So soul translation is uh, both a process and a way of living or a way or a concept. Um, it is basically the process of it is, uh, intuitive channeled coaching. Uh, so it is getting in touch with, uh, spiritual guides, um, seeing intuitively being able to see and work with energy and energy blocks. Um, it is uh, a way to be able to translate what, someone is feeling um, about themselves or having dreams or uh, what their desires are from the uh, unseen into real life. So soul translation works with individuals as well uh, who are going through some sort of life transition, as well as um, empathic, creative entrepreneurs who have some uh mission inside something a dream inside that they then want to you know make real in the real world and that say, saying the real world that's of course in air quotes because <laughs> there are a lot of different versions of reality yeah. um but uh and then the and then the work that i do with um the empowered and past soul camp and sensate soul are all about resources and courses to empower empaths, HSPs, and as you said earlier, uh, empreneurs, which are basically, you know, those who are creative and empathic, and then helping other people um, through what they what they do for work
0: as an entrepreneur. Yeah. And then there's um, something else I'd like to bring up because I have been thoroughly enjoying the insight that you're providing. Is your book, Oh yeah, book, which you just uh, <laughs> very recently, like a week and a half ago, released?
1: Yep, two weeks ago. Yep.
0: Tell me about that process and why you felt called to do it because it's really amazing.
1: Oh, thank you, thank you, love. You're welcome. Ah, yeah, that's um, it's my first book. It's called A Year of Empathy, and it's a daily inspirational reader um, to, you know, the the little tagline of it is to help you uh, elevate, enhance, and embrace your sensitivities uh, so that you can be the true you in all that you do. And um, so beautiful. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, it's uh, it came through in a in a flurry in the sense of it took four and a half months to write it. Um,
0: That's pretty fast. But
1: it was, (laughs) it was, what the hell was I thinking? Well, I wasn't thinking because it just needed to be done. Right. Man, writing a book. Yeah, that is, that is a process. It's really, it really is a rites of passage um, for sure. And, um, I've always wanted to, I've been a writer my whole life, but I've never actually, you know, haven't yet put together a whole book. And now that has happened. And ooh, I, ooh. yeah, I, I gotta say, it's funny because I had this idea that writing, uh, I was like, Oh, you know, for my first book, I want to do this <laughs> daily reader because gosh, that's going to be a lot easier than writing a whole chapter book. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, it's just a daily prompts, you know, a little <laughs> inspirational hit and then the today, you know, For kind
0: every of intentional day of the year. <laughs>
1: and then I know exactly hey. that I was like, Holy crap, there's three hundred and sixty-five of these. <laughs> so as a friend of mine said, which I loved, she said, Michelle, you you're basically writing a book of three hundred and sixty-five cones, you know, like the the um, Asian poetry, mm-hmm. you know, um, you're doing 365 of those. Well That's lots <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and I was like, Oh man. When you put it that way. Holy moly.
0: Yeah. And each one is so deep. I mean, it, what's that it, each, each day, the, the concept and the, and the intention is just, it's like, oh, I actually have to pause and reflect on this. It's not like a fluffy little, oh, yeah, that's really nice. It's like, no, you actually were putting down really deep, meaningful things that cause us to pause and shift our perspective every single day.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's the like a bunch of 365 different mindset shifts. But, you know, it's funny. Thank you for saying that. And I just, when I was listening to you, I just was like, giggling because it's like, you know what? Yeah. Us empaths and HSPs, we don't do surface very much. No. <laughs> so, you know, we're writing the, the, the little, you know, handbook for, um, for, for surface inspiration. That's really <laughs> not, not, work. not where we thrive. No. So, yeah, you know, it does. And I mean, there is definitely um, there's a lot of lightness um, in it as well, because, one thing that, and I know we had originally talked about, um, one topic we wanted, we were going to talk about was play. Mm -hmm. And I, I hope, uh, that the book brings in both the depth and a lot of the delight, because those are like two really important ways of being. Mm -hmm. Um, those are like two of my biggest values is to be able to have that, you know, that real, um, to have substance, but to also have the silliness, <laughs> you know, or to have the the depth and also have the delight, like I said, you mm-hmm. know. So, because uh, that lightness matters, you know. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Way to um, a lot of empaths and HSPs kind of can have this rep of being kind of serious um, and being, you know, overthinking things, um, and part of that is, yeah, because I think we. Uh, learn how to be more in our head, um, out of def- out of a defense, out of protection, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and that that will you know part of becoming more of our true self is letting go of that need to always have to be uh, so serious and so thoughtful and so <laughs> um, you know always playing in the deep end, you know, mm-hmm. we, we get to splash around in the kiddie pool also. And most empaths and HSPs that I know and work with, I've got to say, are, have a really silly, um, goofy light side mm-hmm. that, you know, we, we, uh, hopefully, and I know it's part of my work. Um, and I know it's, cause it's also something I've been, giving myself more permission to do is to just be silly, to be goofy, to let that light side out more. Because like I said, most empaths that I know are, are really like massive goofballs. You know, I uh, had
0: an experience last night. I was at a, a garden manager meeting uh-huh. and I was talking to this woman at our table and I said, you know, I was pawned through the Baker heritage seed catalog and Mm. they had this beautiful picture of something I'd only heard of in a song a pawpaw and she lit up she said I have a pawpaw I was like what you have a pawpaw and we were just geeking out and playing and Stephen was in between us and rolling his eyes like I can't believe you met somebody who has a pawpaw plant like yes pawpaws and it's just that that joy yeah it's it, it it doesn't matter what situation you're in You can always find joy if you open yourself to it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one of the, that is, you know, thank you for saying that because that's also one of those big misconceptions about empaths and HSPs um, is that, you know, the best way I can put this is, is that with being a deeply feeling, a deeply sensing person, a sensitive person, you have a really big spectrum of, of of feeling, of emotionality. And because our sensitivity is not always honored or we're not honoring it in ourselves, we've learned to hold back a lot of that enthusiasm, a lot of that joy, a lot mm-hmm. of the lightness, a lot of that, you know, the, the bubbliness. Mm-hmm. Um, because life can feel pretty intense and can feel more serious when you're more sensitive because you're feeling so much more. But with that sensitivity comes a really big spectrum. So, yeah, you do feel the, you know, the compassion and the empathy. You do feel sometimes the pain of the world more or the pain of others more. But you also have equally um, an equal level of being able to tap into the joy and the delight and the the pure you know like bliss of being alive in a body with an emo- you know with emotions with a heart with creativity with all of that you know so becoming more of an empowered empath or becoming stronger in who we are means that we get to play in that full spectrum
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know and, and you get to be a light-hearted empath you know because it's it's who you are it's it's just being safe enough and feeling strong enough in ourselves to, to let that out and be that more. Yeah. Um, and we can do that when we have a little, when we have more um, ways and res- uh, reliance on ourselves to be able to take care of ourselves more. Um, and that again, goes back to those boundaries and discernment and the inner work of energy care plus shifting our mindsets. Um, you know, the inner work
0: part. Yes. Yeah, so, so, yeah, have you, have you you heard me think that. <laughs> What's that? You heard me think that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. And there's, there,
1: you know, there isn't, there isn't a quick fix. There isn't the life hack. Um, I mean, yes, there are ways. Um, there are ways to be able to manage um, ourselves more. You know, there's a lot of self care. And like my, one of my main, um, tools that I use is EFT, uh, because it's a body-based way to be able to
0: work. What is EFT?
1: So EFT is, um, it's the emotional freedom technique. Okay. Um, I also call it the empath freedom technique, (laughs) um, which is, is just my little coin term on it. Uh, so EFT is working with Meridian's Um, on in the body and working through mindsets or beliefs and being able to uh, tap through it's a tapping process to be able to work through uh, when you have a limited belief or you have a mindset or an emotional reaction to something that you know oh there's always the understory you know Mm -hmm. when we we get triggered. There's something in there for us to look at. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it goes through a process of being able to tap on different points to be able to, it's a whole kind of, there's a protocol to it. But in essence, what it does is helps, what I love about it is it it puts us back into our body Mm -hmm. because we're not thinking about things. We're doing a physical movement Mm -hmm. while we're working through the story of something. Mm -hmm. Um, and it also affects, because we're working on meridians, it also then affects our energetic system and our nervous system. So, um, and it helps clear energy. So it's just, it's one of my main kind of go-to things to use. Um, as well as, you know, I've got more of the quantum work around, uh, energy amending, which is what I do in soul translation. Um, but it's a really quick you know, kind of down and dirty and very powerful little tool to be able to um, to work through things and be more aware of of the, the mindsets that are getting in the way and then how to be able to flush them out of our system, shall we say.
0: Indeed. Yeah, it's good stuff. It is good stuff. Because then you don't yeah. have to carry it anymore. Yep, absolutely. And getting to the point where it's like, oh, you know what? I have an awareness now and I have to start taking care of myself. Cause that's, that's something, you know, when we have addictions, we're hiding. Yep. So opening yourself up to the reality that you are a divine being mm-hmm. and you deserve to love yourself as much as you are loved. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean the people, well, it could mean the people around you. And it means all that is in every dimension loves you yeah and you just have to open yourself up to feel that and that's a yeah. scary process sometimes but it's also really amazing when you do
1: mm-hmm. absolutely yeah absolutely and the for those who um sometimes feel like they you know because i get this a lot where people say well i don't feel you know uh other dimensions i don't feel angels i don't feel guides you know it, uh, um It's really what we believe we will perceive, Mm -hmm. you know, or what we expect is what we get, you know, just to use those fun little Hmm. quick (laughs) um, memes that really are power packed little, you know, sentences Mm -hmm. of truth. They're like little golden nuggets. And if you believe that you are uh, supported, that you are, you know, in a benevolent universe that, um, and that you are safe, to be who you are, that, that there's, you know, that life has got your back. If you really believe that, then the feeling can then come from the belief, Mm -hmm. you know, the experience can come from, from it. So yeah, sure. It's great when we have those experiences, whether it's in a dream state or whether it's through coincidence or, you know, something that gives us that little, you know, nudge that's, Hey, wow, actually, you know what, you know, there is your, <laughs> there is a guy, there is your grandfather or somebody, mm-hmm. you know, who is, is, can still connected to you and watching out for you. You know, um, there are those many moments where we can sense and feel things where, you know, our, uh, hair goes up on the back of our neck and we feel and know something to be true, mm-hmm. um. But in the meantime, what we can do when we don't have that happening daily, what we can do is, you know, meditate, move, move energy, you know, do the little things that can bring us back to being present, like activating our senses more, you know, breathing, uh, taking in light and color, smells, you know, all those things that really bring us back into our body. Mm-hmm. and belief working with our mindsets um you know To like just this morning i was i came uh i was doing some uh my own of my own process and uh with somebody that i'm working with and i got i got hit by a really <laughs> nasty old belief mm-hmm. uh, around uh being Uh, who I am and being somebody who has a lot of abundance, you know, like it was basically around money Mm -hmm. and holy moly. Like, yeah, I was tapping that shit out. Shall we say, (laughs) I was doing (laughs) the FT, and, you know, um, I was having to, you know, I was facing something that was not comfortable Mm -hmm. and I had to work through it. Um, And in that process, I got to see, Wow there's a really unhealthy belief here that now, that I'm now aware of mm-hmm. um, that I now can work with mm-hmm. and I'm there's nothing you know I'm not bad or wrong for having it right but now that I'm aware of it now I can start you know moving it through and out of my energy system mm. so you know yay, yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> So we just got to, you know, got to be willing to, to, to show up for ourselves and, yeah. and do, do that inner work. And that's why I say, like, there there's not a quick fix, and there aren't these there there are, there are quick fixes and hacks, but there are little tools that can make a difference, mm-hmm. and there are ways of seeing and being that can make a difference in the moment. But really, it it takes making your making yourself a priority. And that is a boundary right there in and of itself.
0: Mm-hmm. You know. Well, Michelle, my you know, I, love
1: to, okay. I just have to add, you know, I love how to playing with words and looking at the word boundary, it's got, you know, bound can tighten you, mm-hmm. but also to bound like you're bounding through the fields, like, you know, the hills are alive to mm-hmm. the sound of music. Bounding also means you can rebound or you can, you know, have the energy to jump for joy. Absolutely. So it is both. When we have boundaries, we can also be boundless. Mm. So. Lovely. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> well, honey. How much fun? I think okay. this is a good point for stopping since we've been chatting for about an hour. And I know so. the attention span can only take so much. So I could yeah. talk to you for yeah. hours. <laughs>
1: And have. Likewise. Mm
0: -hmm. But I want to thank you so much for agreeing to be on this and sharing your gifts and helping people with your conversation.
1: Oh, thank you so much, love, for even making this possible and all in the name of love. And you're all about that. And I'm just, I'm so grateful that I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for our friendship and for. You know, you making this opportunity to have a, to actually record one of our chats, because we talk about like this together all the time on our walks <laughs> and our lunches. So. <laughs> so now we're just sharing it out with everybody else. So, and I really do, I'm grateful and I'm really hoping uh, for those who hear this, that this will, um, I, I believe, with the work that is doing, you know, it's, and with this conversation, I believe it will uh, really help. Uh, enlighten or as I joke around enlighten your life
0: (laughs) oh honey thank you so very much
1: absolutely I will
0: happily provide all of the links to the works that you're providing when I post the blog and um, I thank you for your time and your love Mm, thank you sweetness so this week's action item is about boundaries. Think about one aspect in your life where you think you could use a boundary and just try it. Try saying no. Try stepping back and giving yourself some quiet time so you can reflect on what really feels good. That's it for the week. Until next time, I wish you peace, love, and true prosperity. Namaste.